Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Hi, guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast. Today with me is me. Uh, Mandy couldn't be here today. We are in full-blown Hurricane Irma prep, um, and Mandy actually had a, a family emergency this week, so we were not able to record an episode together, but um, I had recorded one with my sister, Megan, who's wonderful and great and basically better than me, but please don't tell her that. Um, so that's who you're going to hear today, a conversation between me and my sister, Megan. Um, and so I hope you guys will enjoy that. We are hoping to be back next Tuesday. So when you're hearing this, this will be post-hurricane and spoiler alert, Mandy and I did survive. So we're really happy to still be here, but hopefully next Tuesday we'll have a new episode but it really all depends on um, electricity um, and whether or not we actually are going to be the um, person of interest in the next story. If we lose electricity too long, I really can't be held responsible for anything that I do. So um, while we're gone in our absence, if we are out for a week, there are some great podcasts for you to check out. Uh, Mens Rea, Corpus Delicti, I've got an actual list here, Pretend Radio, Nothing Rhymes with Murder, Just Another Murder Podcast, The Guilty Podcast, California Dreaming, Kiwi Crimes, We're All Pretending is a New One, True Crime Fan Club, I'm Forgetting People, and I feel like this is an acceptance speech and somebody's playing the music to get me off. So um, promos at the end of the show, please check them out. We have uh, one that is a another true crime podcast and one that's a true crime-ish podcast. Um uh, lots of really cool stories and a great accent. So go for the accent, stay for the stories. Um, hope you guys enjoy the show and we will be back with you soon. Thanks. Welcome to the Moms and Murder Podcast. Today we have a very special episode with a very special person, um, one of my favorite people, my sister Megan. Hi everyone. <laughs> Megan is also a mom and also a fellow true crime enthusiast, mostly because of the upbringing we had with our father um, and mother who tried to keep us from watching things like Cops and Unsolved Mysteries. Are there any you remember watching when we were little? Um, definitely America's Most Wanted. Yeah. I had nightmares. Still have nightmares over those. Do you remember, um, was it called Code Red? Or one of those where you would see people swimming to the bottom of the pool. And I still have 
I still won't swim near a drain in a pool because I'm terrified my hair <laughs> will oh, be yeah. stuck at the bottom. Or I want to swim with like scissors next to the pool. I do swim with scissors <laughs> all the time. So <laughs> I feel like that's like running with scissors and a really terrible idea to do. So don't do that around your children if you don't mind. Um, so today we had an interesting story to talk about. We are going to talk about um, the Nicholas Barclay story. Also, the it's like Nicholas Barclay slash Frederick Borden story. Um, and so I'm going to have Megan give you guys a little introduction to, um, to what's going on with this case. So this is one of my favorite um, crime stories just because it's so outrageous. Um, so Nicholas... Patrick Barclay was born on December 31st, 1980, to Beverly Dollarhide, and he was one of the youngest in his family, with an older sister named Carrie and an older brother named Jason. In the family, they lived in San Antonio, Texas, uh, where Nicholas was unfortunately known as being a bit um, troubled. So, three tattoos at a very young age, self-made tattoos. Well, we know he knows his alphabet, sure. because they're all like a tattoo of a T <laughs> a and a letter. K, a yeah. letter. So, you know, like he had... His upbringing couldn't have been too bad. We do have an uncle like that, so <laughs> salt of the earth guy. So, um, yeah, so when the story kind of starts, um, Nicholas is actually in the middle of really a court case coming up. He's uh, gotten in trouble for stealing at a convenience store, um, stealing some shoes, just kind of all around making some less than stellar decisions at this age. So he um, has been in arguments with his mom, but the next day he's supposed to go to, I guess, juvenile court, and they were going to decide if he was going to move into a group home. And he was ticked off about this. And I guess I don't blame him. If that's the only home you know, you don't want to be taken out of it, but it could have been a better situation than he had at home. So um, that one's 50-50. Um, So he got angry with his mom. She gave him $5. He went to go play basketball and he calls home and wants somebody to pick him up. And his brother, Jason, older brother, Jason, who was actually just recently moved back into the house, said, I'm not waking mom up. Just walk. And that was the last time anyone heard from Nicholas. Can we instate that rule in our houses? Like, I'm not waking mom up. Yeah. How did that work? (laughs) Yeah. How did somebody have enough, (laughs) have enough, I don't know intelligence to, to say mom will kill us all if, if we wake her up. Nobody cares at my house. I'm going to teach my four-year-old that. Are you going to teach your yeah, four-year-old yeah. that my one? Four-year-old, yeah, right. He like barges into the door in the middle of the night just, <laughs> just doing, to wake you up. Just to wake me up, just to see what I'm doing, which good for him. <laughs> so we do have to say that um, Nicholas's mom, she, um, she did work the night shift. So I'm sure she was, to give her some credit, she was probably a little tired um, and you know, when you don't sleep as a mom, you might be a little crabby. So, um, we'll, we'll give her a little bit of credit for that. So, um, his brother, Jason told him, um, just go ahead and find your own way home. And, um, his mom is, she, she said it a few times that he was the kind of kid who would just take a ride from a stranger. So when he went, um, disappearing, they, right. When he went, when he disappeared, they weren't so, uh, sorry, words are hard. <laughs> <laughs> I have a newborn as well. So when he disappeared, um, his mom mentioned that she wouldn't be surprised if he had taken a ride from a stranger. Um, that wasn't out of his character. Yeah. It seems like there might not have been a ton of structure at home, based on what we read. And we actually watched the movie The Imposter. It's on Netflix and I think YouTube. And if you haven't seen it, it will both make and ruin your day. It's one of the most fascinating documentaries I've seen. And the interesting thing is, besides Nicholas, everyone else involved in this case is actually interviewed in it, which as we get further in the story, you'll wonder why people would even volunteer to be a part of this documentary. So Nicholas was last seen um, June 13th. 1940, 1994 in San Antonio. He was um, 13 years old. However, um, his brother, Jason, um, claimed he saw him on September 25th, 1994, um, actually breaking into the family's garage. So the police came, um, but they didn't see Nicholas, and Jason said that Nicholas actually fled. Um, so they searched the neighborhood, um, but actually the police didn't even believe that right. story at all, and um, the mom didn't believe it either. So it makes me wonder, why would he make up a story like that? Yeah, you have to think there's more going on, and that's what they said. When people have something to hide, they'll bring up a, a clue that doesn't exist to kind of fit their narrative that he's still alive, so 
maybe he just wants to be on his own or do his own thing, which at 13 years old with $5, there's not a lot of things you can do. Although his- He knows his alphabet. He so knows his he, alphabet. So he, he, could, he could do something. We're just not quite sure yet. But he, it's not like he came back and there was any evidence that he stole money from his mom, like he was doing anything to live this life. Because he had run away several times before for a day or two, but then he would always come back. So in October of 1997, um, three years after Nicholas, Nicholas vanishes, um, the family in Texas receives a phone call stating that um, Nicholas just randomly appears in Spain. Um, yeah. Makes sense. You know, just the other side of the world. Hopping the border, you know, getting there it's, it's, with it's, his $5. It's easy, easy to walk to. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, walk across the ocean. So the caller said that Nicholas was living at a Spanish shelter after escaping from a child sex ring operation. Mm-hmm. Um, the man or the, the law enforcement officer said that the person believed that Nicholas had been abused for years. Hmm. So uh, plot twist, the person on the phone was not a police officer. What? Yeah. <laughs> As we both know, the person on the phone was 23-year-old Frederick Borden. He was impersonating an officer. But before he was impersonating an officer, he was impersonating a 13-year-old boy named Nicholas Barclay. So uh, before we go any further, we want to talk a little bit about this new member in our story, Frederick Borden. Um, Frederick was born to a French woman um, and her lover, boyfriend, who was an Algerian immigrant, he grew up not knowing who his father was and said that he didn't receive much of his mother's attention. Um, in the documentary, he talks about his grandfather, his mother's dad being racist and so kind of being ashamed of his heritage and not understanding his heritage and kind of told to ignore it. So uh, as he's growing up, he doesn't really know who he is and then is also being told he was never wanted, his mom wanted to have an abortion, he shouldn't have been here. And so um, in the mind of a child hearing these kind of things, I can see how that could have an effect on you for the rest of your life, as apparently it did. Um, So by the time he was five, he was actually already impersonating a different life, putting on airs of being someone different. When people would ask why he didn't have a father, he would say that his dad was a British secret agent. So he started lying and becoming somebody he wanted to be from a very early age. So he's been on the run since he was 16. Um, you know, he kind of was in and out of juvenile um, homes, and he kind of explains that he never really received um, any love or any warmth growing up. Um, so so go back to Spain, and in Spain, um, one day there's some, some British tourists there, and they come across this boy, um, at least he looks like a boy, and he's just um, just sitting there, and he... He isn't talking, and they're asking, hey, are you okay? And, and this, this kid um, isn't responding, isn't right. doing anything. I mean, actually, this kid is 23-year-old um, Frederick. Um, so these tourists, they decide to call the Spanish police right. and, um, and tell them, hey, we found this kid. We don't know what to do. Um, and so they kind of just turn him over to the police there. Right. So when Frederick gets to the police station, the police are asking him over and over again who he is, and he won't say anything. He continues to act scared, and he said he would kind of put his head down, and if they made any certain sudden movements, he would act scared like he had been somebody that had been abused, which is so crazy. Yeah, it's disgusting because there are people that have been through this, but he just learned to become an imposter in other people's lives. I use that word too much. My apologies. Um, But at one point, the officers say, you know what, if you're not going to tell us who you are, we're going to fingerprint you and take your picture. And Frederick realized that was the worst thing that could happen to him because he was actually a wanted man, not child, man. He's 23 years old at this point. Um, And so he decided he was either going to go to prison or he was going to be something else. Um, He told them he was an American, that he ran away, and he wanted to contact his family right there, right now, by himself. And now, the funny part about that is he's American with a very strong uh, French accent. Incredibly strong French Not accent. only the French accent, but he's not even really good at speaking English. No, no, no. Very broken English. Um, but apparently, we found out later, he has tried this before. The oh, first yeah. time he tried this same scenario and acted like he was a missing kid from America, he realized he didn't know enough English, or any English, and decided I should learn English and try this whole thing again, which... The amount of planning that went into this, 
I just Did wish it had been used for good. Yeah. <laughs> he was very, very intelligent. Is he like but... studying with Rosetta Stone at <laughs> night? Like what was going on? I think he should have been Rosetta Stone's spokesperson. Oh, yeah. He could have made some legit money doing this. <laughs> so he tells the police officers, I want to call my parents or I want to call my parents. Yeah. And tell them what's happened to me, but I want to do it by myself. They'll be scared if they talk to you. So these officers, for reasons I'll never know, let him into this room where he has access to everything. So he gets the, this is 1997 at this point. Yeah. So he's not on the internet or anything. He's, um, he's pulling files and trying to find different numbers to places in the U.S., police departments. So he calls California. He calls New York and says, hey, we have a missing kid. Um, got anybody? And they would say like, no, that's way too vague. And so finally they put him in touch with the, I think, Center for Mix Missing and Exploited Children. And the lady that answers is trying to be so helpful as one would be if oh, yeah. you're working at that, right? And he says it's a teenager, you know, gives very few clues, nothing about what he looked like, which could have been helpful. And remember, this is all like within one night. Yeah. He asked to be Busy in a room night. by himself. I don't know uh, what's going on in Spain, but he yeah. has to be in a room by himself overnight because he knew in the U.S. with the time difference. Oh, yeah. That's it's about exactly an eight it. hour difference that um, he would be able to contact someone in the U.S. Exactly. And that's why it wasn't really manned, because he was waiting on this time change. So, again, with the planning and the intelligence used for nothing good. So he finally asked the lady, okay, fax over a picture. She says, I think I, I think there's somebody in San Antonio, Texas that fits that description, which could not have been a very good description. <laughs> Sends over the fax. He gets it and says... This is our boy. Oh, this yeah. is Nicholas Barclay. He's got blonde hair, blue eyes. I have brown hair, brown eyes, but mm -mm. I think I can pull this one off. I know. Well, I think the facts came through so dark. Oh, that's Remember, right. Remember like, how faxes come in and you never send pictures? So he thought like it was enough that he would go for it. And it didn't, for whatever reason, even have the Yeah, it wasn't in hair color, and, right? Yeah, so he couldn't see any of that. So he thinks, I'm going for it. So he um, decides that now he's Nicholas Barclay. Uh, so at this point, Frederick is living in a shelter, and um, he decides he's going to contact Nicholas Barclay's family. Sure. Um, of course. Yeah, that's you know. the reasonable next step. Yeah, he looks not so much so much like him. Not to decide, maybe I should just be done with this whole thing. Let's let's just drag, dig the let's knife drag in there a little out. bit more. So he calls them, and um, he he pretends to be someone else. He pretends to be uh, Jonathan Duran, who was a one of the Spanish police officers, who I'm not even sure exists. But he tells them, "Hey, we've got Nicholas. He he's in Spain. Um, he's been abused, um, but we found him. Aren't you so happy? He's here. Yeah. And um, so they ask, of course, well, can we speak to him? Wouldn't right. you want to speak to your child? Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 he's been through so much. And they're like, well, just a few words. So um, so Frederick now switches characters again, goes back to being Nicholas, and yeah. he whispers something like, I love you. Yeah. And that that's it. Which, based on the little we know about Nicholas, I wouldn't have guessed those would have been his first words to his sister. But they did show video in the beginning, and he seemed to really love his, his sister, sister over anybody he seemed to love her. So I can see that being a comforting thing for her. And another thing to mention is Frederick's in the shelter and he's, it's actually where he wants to be. It's not like he doesn't want to be um, there and he's trying to get out. He, he likes the, the atmosphere of having um, a group and he likes that he gets to be a kid again and he yeah. gets to be cared for, which is kind of um, disturbing. Yeah. Very disturbing. Just kind of. <laughs> um, but um, so I think he just started just digging this hole and it's like now people in the U.S. are contacting him. Right. To the extent where they send him um, a package with more information about Nicholas Barclay. Right. That has um, a colored photo. And when he sees the, <laughs> the photo, he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't even want to say the words, but yeah. Um, Wow, he's got yellow hair and yeah. blue eyes, and I definitely don't. So he decides, and he's got tattoos. Yeah. So, you know, like in every group home, there's a tattoo artist. Sure, inspired. you got to find that one. Yeah, I mean, you know one. I yeah. know one uh, whenever I need a, a tea on my, my finger. When I need a quick tea, you know, I know where to go. To. go. Yeah. Um, so he decides he's going to um, dye his hair blonde because, of course, now the family's interested in coming over to Spain. They're on their way. Yeah. At this point, they're on their way. The sister's on the yeah. way. And so he decides to, to dye his hair blonde, and um, not much he can do about his, his eyes. 
Yeah, but he comes five yeah. o'clock shadow, really. Yeah, I mean, he does have a full beard, and um, <laughs> he gets some, you know, group home tats. Yeah, <laughs> like we've all been there. We've all done this. So yeah, so he gets those done. And one thing I thought was kind of interesting is the sister is who came over and not the mom. And they made it sound like she wasn't prepared to do this. But as a mom, if you tell me my son's in Spain, you're going to have to keep me from like running to Spain. There's nothing that's going to stop me. So that's kind of a, as we go further in this case, something that kind of stood out to me as being like, maybe there was something there that that she knew. I'm going to say, I don't think the mom knew exactly where Spain was. She happened to mention on the (laughs) other side of the country. Um, I'm not sure what country she was talking about. Yeah. um Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Um, so Nicholas's sister, Carrie, is on her way, and she's never left the country. She's never flown. And so this is a new experience for her. She has no idea what to expect. She's going to see her brother, who they probably thought had been dead most likely for three years in a country she had never been to. And uh, we enjoyed in the documentary, one of Megan's favorite part was when she was making observations. Yeah, she had two great observations. Um, The first was, you know, she was just so happy that you could smoke there. Sure. You know, nobody burns your cigarettes when you get there. Yeah, you just get off the plane. Who knows? She might have been smoking in the plane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know what's going on in Spain at this time. This this was pre-September 11th, so you could have gotten away with a lot. Um, So she was just so happy about that. And, you know, the fact that there was Coca-Cola. I mean, you know, I, I... you know, I always thought Coke was only in the U.S., but apparently it's all over the world. Yeah, that Carrie, I don't know about she, Pepsi, but yeah. Coke is definitely there. I don't care where Pepsi is. I just want Coke. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so um, she arrives in Spain, and um, she sees her brother, and it says that, you know, he says, this woman just gave me, this woman he had never seen before. He doesn't even know. She just gave him the biggest hug. Right. And um, he mentions in the documentary that he's he's not much of a hugger. He grew up without much love. Right. So um, he, he's also thinking she she knows that I'm not yeah. her brother. Like that's going through his head. And if she had eyes, she would know that was not his brother. But yeah, you know. um, at this point, he's wearing um, a hat and glasses and he's. You know, you'll see, if you see pictures of him, he's got a scarf uh, wrapped around his face, which is uh, very suspicious. He looked a little more like he had tuberculosis getting off of the plane than anything else. It yeah. was very shady. Gloves, everybody else. It's San Antonio. This is not, it's not freezing at the point they're coming home. It's, yeah, so he's covered head to toe. 
and covering up the five o'clock shadow. But he, I don't know, it just seemed like a little, a little bit much to not question. But what I found interesting is while they were in Spain, when she was meeting him for the first time, she yeah. brought all of these photos with her. Right. And she's kind of going through these photos and saying, hey, look, this is mom. This is, right. you know, uncle Jerry. I don't remember his name, but she's kind of <laughs> going through and telling him who people are. Yeah. And as she's saying that, He's kind of like memorizing right. these people. So before he could actually leave Spain, because he has to meet with one of the, I think the ambassador or something. Right. Um, to get a passport. To get a passport. To to leave. Yeah. Um, he, it's amazing he even fooled them. But he yeah. kind of has to go through, I think, five photos right. and tell who each person is. Right. And he's able to do it on four of them. On the fifth one, he, he messes up. But, yeah. you know, he kind of blames it on he's been traumatized. Yeah. Um, Anybody would believe that. And things change. If these aren't recent pictures even, then it's not crazy to think. You wouldn't know what somebody looks like or they've changed. He's clearly changed. So why wouldn't somebody else yeah. have changed? He kind of mentions though that he kind of felt like his his sister or Carrie was um, kind of right. prepping him um, and feeding him like answers. Yeah. Saying like, home. you remember this was our old house. Yeah. Remember when we lived here with mom and we lived here with this person? You remember my daughter. Yeah. He kept saying over and over again, you remember, you remember, exactly. you remember. Um, oh, and he would say things like uh, that he loved the grandma and the grandpa was a jerk. Like yeah. kind of things he kind of came up with on his own, but ended up being accurate, but also accurate I love a lot it. of he families. States, Is grandpa still a jerk? Yeah. Like, don't we all say that? Yeah. <laughs> Most of us have had at least one yeah, grandfather I mean, that's a jerk. So so they arrive in San Antonio. Um, they get off the plane, and everyone's there to, to greet them, and they're so excited. Right. Um, if you watch footage of this, everyone's going and hugging him, and he's kind of just standing there. His face is covered up. His mom, um, you, you see that she's not, she's not showing a lot of emotion. Right. Um, she kind of just goes up to him. Um, but nobody's saying... This isn't Nicholas. Yeah, no one's stating the obvious at all. Yeah, they're, they're just kind of like accepting that yeah. this twenty-three-year-old uh, man with brown eyes um, <laughs> and a French accent yeah. is is here, and he's and Nicholas is home. But you've got to kind of think like there's no way they could get this wrong. You know what yeah. I mean? Even all your questions, you think, well, the embassy got it right, and That's the true. police got it right, and everybody else. So who am I to think because of all this trauma he he couldn't have morphed into a twenty-three-year-old man? So when Frederick arrives, he's expecting the states to be like you would see in movies, like Home Alone 2 and the New York and Coca-Cola everywhere. <laughs> Don't forget the Coca-Cola everywhere. And he arrives in San Antonio and to where they live and realized, oh, well, yeah. maybe maybe the shelter would have we'll been a better life We'll call it Small Town. We'll call it Small Town USA slash couple people on heroin, some people on meth. Few of those as your family Small members. Town USA. <laughs> Otherwise known as Small Town USA. Um, so one thing I found to be super eerie is, you know, he says, I didn't know if Nicholas was right-handed or left-handed. And so he's looking at pictures of Nicholas to try and become him. And one thing that bothered me so much is he sees this picture of Nicholas and his hands are kind of, he has three fingers kind of saying hi, um, almost like he's got his hands ready to throw a baseball. So every time he would say hi to somebody, he would do that. So he would yeah. find these little details. And so if somebody looked at it, they would think, oh, that's used to do that yeah. and what crazy person would try and come up with this so so um frederick did a really good job of integrating into um san antonio um he started making friends he started going to school right. he uh rode the the yellow school bus which he loved he thought he was living the dream there are no tall buildings but there sure is a yellow school bus <laughs> oh yeah i mean didn't we all love that school bus there no seatbelts. no seat still don't get that to this day yeah <laughs> who needs a seatbelt with that many children on a yeah. bus i mean not necessary at all <laughs> um and he even had um a girl in the neighborhood that Ugh. he he liked and i don't know they never mentioned her liking him back but yeah, but there he's was a 23. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they said that they would spend, you know, time talking on the Ugh. phone. Um, but, you know, he's fooled so many people at this point. Yeah. Um, even the school. Yeah. I mean, this has only been three years. You, you change in three years, but um, not to that extent. So right. I'm just wondering what were the other kids? I mean, these had to be former classmates. What yeah. were they thinking, too? Yeah. Um, what is going on? I mean, I've bashed Spain a bit, but um, San Antonio, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Get it together, yeah. San Antonio. <laughs> 
So the one person that um, he hadn't really seen was his brother, Jason. And so um, Jason finally comes over for a visit, looks at Nicholas, doesn't really pay him any attention, and says, good luck to you, and leaves. So he's the only person in this entire story that seems to get like, this is not yeah. this is not the same guy you guys are acting like. And so he really had nothing to do with it. And as they talked um, in the documentary and some stuff I read, during the time that um, Nicholas was originally missing, the mom and Jason were fighting constantly. The police were called. They were yelling about him, his disappearance. And of course, the tensions are going to be super high because of obviously the loss of your child. You don't know where your child is, but it seemed like there could have been something more. And as it goes along, you, you get even a stronger feeling about that. Um, so the FBI contact the Barclay family and um, actually they were supposed to contact the FBI when they arrived in the U.S. just so they could do an, an interview right. with them. Uh, but some time went by. They never did. So the FBI reached out to them. And um, so they do this interview with with Nicholas just saying like, so what happened? Like right. we want to find the people who who did, did this, this to, to you. you. Yeah. And they actually don't even really know the story. So the story he tells them is, um, of course, insane because yeah. he's straight up madman. <laughs> um, you know, like there, there's so many pieces to the story. I'll just go over it quickly. He tells them that, um, that military men put him in a van and they flew him all over the world. He never knew what he, where he was. Um, he was kept in a room with different kids. Right. Um, he woke up in different places, um, that he was, you know, of course, he was sexually abused. Um, they broke his hands. Um, they experimented on him with needles. Um, they changed his eye color. So that's, you know, that's how he went from blue to, to brown. brown. Yeah. Um, You've never, all heard of that, where somebody injects something in your eyes and changes the colors. Of course. Couldn't they have just given him, like, the contact, like, cat eyes or something <laughs> to change it? I don't really quite get where they're going with that. Yeah, and um, he was trying to explain his accent, and, you know, he mentioned that if he spoke English that he was beaten. Right. Um, so that's why he had this this thick accent. Which still makes no sense. Yeah, of course. Other people that interviewed him that said in the first six or seven years of life, the dialect, the um, accents you hear, it's kind of what develops your speaking, your communication. So having this gap of three years somewhere, if you know somebody that's moved to another country, they don't come back talking like they're from another country. They, They still keep their original accent. So the FBI was just like eating this story up and um, just to to bash someone else, come on FBI. (laughs) There's a lot of people to blame in this story. I'm going to have a list of people. I'm just going to question everything about. Um, So yeah, they finished the interview and at this point, nobody was suspicious, not even the FBI. So Mm -hmm. he's fooled the FBI and, and the family at this point among other people. And now he's free to continue riding that big yellow uh, school bus. Ride the big yellow bus to the the sky. (laughs) So at this point, news is getting around across the U.S. that there's this boy who's been missing, captured in Spain. All these terrible things have happened to him. In the show Hard Copy, which you remember Hard Copy a little. Yeah, grew up on that. Yeah, that was another show we probably shouldn't have watched, and we did. Um, They sent a private investigator named Charlie Parker, who is one of my favorite characters in anything ever, um, to find out where he was to talk to him. Um, The FBI had told the family, do not talk to the media. Like, all this information you're giving us about the military men, all that stuff, we need to keep that to ourselves. So as we are looking for these people, we have stuff to question them on. But um, Nicholas, Nicholas, rather, Frederick, decided to make this story look more believable. He was going to talk to the press. Can I stop you there? Can you just um, describe Charlie Parker? (laughs) Um, Just so people have an idea of the person. First word, suspenders, right? Of course. The suspenders. He's an older gentleman. Mm -hmm. Um... I don't know even if words can describe Charlie Parker. He has a Twitter page. Please find his Twitter page. It's full of gems. Like it kind of looks like he's a, a mix of a used car salesman sure. slash running a funeral home. Yeah, that's Does that a good, give you a good yeah. visual. Honestly, I think that could be a side business. Yeah, because, lots of gold rings. Yeah, um, always driving. You know, a car made in the seventies with the windows down and the. San well, that's because there's no AC. <laughs> but his hair is slicked back. 
He looks, looks good. He looks good. Yeah. He looks good. So he becomes super interested in in this case. And Charlie Parker, during one of Frederick's interviews, looks at him and in the background sees an old picture of Nicholas. And he decides to do what, Megan? Which is the my favorite part of the whole case. Yeah, I mean, you just look at the ears. Don't you know that's like the first... Uh what, what you learn when you're investigating someone, just check out someone's ears. PI 101. But we have to say, I mean, he uh, he's the only one. He's the only one that figured this out. figured this out. So what he does is he looks at the picture and he looks at um, Nicholas's ears and then he looks at Frederick's ears and realizes that they're different. Um, and by, by putting them in Photoshop, Adobe Photoshop and comparing them. I'm just amazed that he... Um, can do that. At this point, I think we could have figured this case out if all it took yeah. was Photoshop and two pictures. So he's like Photoshopping. I don't know what exactly he's doing, but he has cracked the case with Photoshop. He did. Photoshop for the win. <laughs> so Charlie Parker is on the case. He He's thinking something's not right here. And if, if by goodness, you can't tell from the ears, what do you have? So um, the information that Frederick had given the FBI was really vague. So they said that he needed to go to Houston to deal with this trauma and speak to a doctor. And this was all part of the FBI's plan of getting more information. Um, the doctor he spoke to, who was also on the documentary, said, yeah, there's no way that this kid is yeah. related to you. He has an accent. He's not, he's not American. He can't be related to you. So the FBI director calls Carrie Gibson, and they're about to be back going to Houston. So the FBI director is with Frederick and they're going back to Houston. I'm sorry, they're going back to San Antonio. And she tells Carrie, hey, uh, this isn't your brother. We don't know who this is. Don't bring him back to your house. We're just going to take care of everything when we get there. So they go down the escalator at the airport, arriving back in San Antonio. And who is there but smiley Carrie, ready to open him, <laughs> you know, open arms to this madman. And all you can think is like, what what is happening you had an that point i think that frederick was like something is really suspicious here (laughs) like like there's no way they could believe my story but they've just been told that i'm not even an american and um yeah i'm going back home he's gotta uh, be scared to go to their house at this point if i were him i'd be like sunny san antonio (laughs) how he didn't stop right there and say my name is frederick (laughs) Gordon. let me tell you my crimes (laughs) It's incredible. But um, on the documentary, she says, yeah, I don't remember that being the way they told me. This. Oh, yeah. Like, I think that would be pretty clear if they're like, um, this isn't your brother. Yeah. If they started with this isn't your brother, don't bring him home. Those are hard, uh, hard words to understand, though. Those, I mean, let's. But if they had tattoos on their arms, maybe they would have understood. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> um, so at this point, they decide they're going to do a DNA test, which they should have done um, before he left. <laughs> yeah. In the land of Coca-Cola. Um, so they ask the mom, and she refuses to do a DNA test. Right. Because they say, well, we know who it is. Right. Of course, it's a 23-year-old uh, Frenchman. So she actually lays on the floor um, screaming because she doesn't want to do this test. Um, My son's done that. Like, yeah. He doesn't want to do something. He's of course. Poor. It makes sense. I mean, it, it does work. Does it work in your house? It works. I, I can break down very easily. Yeah, if you scream loud enough, you get whatever. You if can, there are witnesses, we're out of you here. You get to ride the school bus. Do you what get to you have want to Coca-Cola, <laughs> whatever you want. You can have Coca-Cola on the school bus for all That's I care true. at that point. <laughs> so she um, she basically says that she doesn't want to go with the FBI. Um, they know who he is. And at this point, um, the FBI director is realizing that they're not really a victimized family, but they've got something to hide. And we kind of believe that she didn't want to um, to do this DNA test because she did have a history of using heroin, right. um, as well as her her son Jason. Yeah. So uh, we're thinking she might have had heroin in her system, and she just didn't want them to find find out. And who knows? That might be why she also accepted having you know Frederick in the house. Yeah. Who knows what was going? It seemed like a very dysfunctional family. Obviously. What? No. Yeah. So, sorry I'm to break it that. to you guys. You haven't figured that at this point into our podcast. Yeah. You're never going to figure it out. Their white picket fence has been uh, chopped down with an axe. Yeah. And set on fire and <laughs> tattooed. So. <Yeah. laughs> so they finally get some blood work from um, Frederick. Um, they send it over to Spain and Spain um, tells them you know, hey, actually, we have we have a match, right. and um, it's definitely not Nicholas Barclay. Um, it's it's Frederick, and so 
Um, they fax all the information over. And um, I think at this point, Frederick's realizing um, I'm in a house with crazy people <laughs> and um, I'm about to be found out. He may have been the one faxing the information to the police yeah. <laughs> to oh, get yeah. out of this house. So he's he's very suspicious and just wondering what is going on. Um, he's being like duped by the people he's duped. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big cycle over there. And we're back to our friend, Charlie Parker, P.I., um, he sits down with Frederick, and so Frederick knows, like, this is almost over. And he says to Frederick, your mom is crazy. And he said, you know, that's not my mom. Like, you know, I know. <laughs> Can you please get me out of here? Help me. Help me. Yeah. He tattooed help me across his arm, and, and nobody was there to help. So with all the information that Spain has, they tell the police in San Antonio, yeah, he's wanted um, – by Interpol, and he has impersonated, according to him, over 500 people, including three missing children. Do you even know 500 people? No. How do you remember? Like, I could play pretend with my kids, and they can give me a name, and I'm going to forget halfway through what the name is. Yeah, I just don't play pretend. <laughs> well, yeah, well, good for you. If you can get away with not doing that, that's kudos to you. But I can't, I don't have that kind of a memory. And so yeah. figure he's playing people in different countries. With different, different accents. Accent. Well, he's terrible well, at that yeah. part. Different languages. Different languages. He learned, I think, five languages yeah. to do this. But he kept saying, like, throughout the documentary, like, I never really wanted to do this. But then you got to think, well, he got on a plane. You ruined this family, who was kind of already ruined. But, like, you had steps all the way along yeah. to say... JK, I'm done with this. <laughs> so it was back to the to point Spain. where when he realized he might be murdered, yeah. that he was like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, like, well, this, this was fun. Yeah, this wasn't the right family. I got another person I need to be. <laughs> so um, good old Charlie Parker, he kind of cracks the case in the sense that he, he figures out um, that Frederick is not Nicholas. Right. So... Um, he cracks that case, but we never figure out actually what happens to Nicholas. But there is a pretty cool scene in The Imposter where you see um, Charlie with um, a man without a shirt. Right. He goes to their old house yeah. that they lived in. The man opens the door, could not be happier to see a camera crew there, <laughs> ready to show him all about his house. Tells the story of how his dog used to dig up in this corner. And Charlie's theory is that... Um, the brother killed him and buried him in the backyard. So they're going to take shovels. And I, my heart went out to Charlie. He takes this shovel, and all I can think is the production team has no money to hire somebody oh, yeah. to, to, you know, to shovel in this yard. But then they cut to, like, an aerial shot of the poor homeowner, shirtless, <laughs> basically digging a grave, and Charlie Parker just standing there with his, his shovel just, you know, cheering the guy on. He had to have dug, like, 30 feet and. Oh, yeah. um Nothing was there, so I'm not really sure what that guy's MO was, but he could have been pals with good old Freddie for, for all we know. Oh, yeah. So Frederick is found out, finally. I think he has to be a little bit relieved. Um, he's accused of perjury and falsely getting a passport, um, oh, yeah. and he's sentenced to six years in U.S. prison. Um, after that, he gets deported to France in October of 2003, um, where he... He's there for a bit of time in prison where he continues to make uh, phone calls. Phone calls. Why does this man have a phone? It was in his cell. Like yeah. he was making collect calls. They actually all have over. it on film, right? Yeah. Him making calls. And dancing to Michael Jackson, which oh, yeah. was difficult to watch. If you, if you only watch one thing in this documentary, The Imposter, um, just watch the very end. You will laugh and cry at the same time. Also, the guy could have had some kind of uh, role in dancing. Could have been a J-Lo backup dancer. Could have done something. That's what I'm thinking. Could have I had mean, a different life. He, he chose the wrong career here. Um, so he's, in 2005, he, he gets out. Um, he gets a cat. You yeah. know, everybody needs a cat. Right. And he decides with this cat, he was interviewed in 2005, and they said, are you going to still impersonate people? And he said, no, I have this cat. The cat needs me. I could never leave this cat why did no one get this man a pet before this? Think of all the lives that could have been changed had this man just had like a dog lick his hand every day. Oh, yeah. Like none of this had to have happened. He could have had a flipping fish for all I care, but something. He needed something in his life. Um, but he does actually get married yeah. and has five kids. And it's not the five kids that changed his life. It's the cat. Yeah, it's the flipping cat. The cat changed everything. 
So he has these kids, but he says, you know, I have love in my life now, so I don't need to look for something else. So your heart kind of breaks for him, but at the same time, you know he's manipulating people all along, so is he just manipulating people to say, feel bad for me because of what I've went through? You don't really know. But the sad part of the story is we still don't know what happened to Nicholas Barclay. And I just have to say, Frederick, if you're listening... We did Turn find, it off. Turn it off. We did find your Facebook page, but uh, please do not impersonate us. No, please don't impersonate us. We thought of asking him a question, yeah. but he seems to respond. I don't want to he be involved He responds in within that. an hour. Within an hour. So we're not we're not doing that. He should have his own life. We'll have our own life. We'll just talk about him. But if any him. of you decide to, just let us know how it goes. Yeah, and also make sure you, like, I don't know, hide your social security cards. Make sure hide you tell kids, friends. Hide your kids, hide your wife. Hide your kids, hide your wife. Do all the things that we normally do when contacting people who could impersonate us. So um, he actually had a job for a while as a um, phone um, telemarketer. Oh, which, really? Genius. Like, that's yeah. what you should have done the whole time, man. You could have done some, made some really good money. Right. So now our favorite part of our episodes is when we're going to talk about theories. Megan, what do you think happened to poor Nicholas? Um, I think that um, definitely his brother, something happened with his brother, Jason. And I think his mom knew. Yeah. uh, I don't know if he murdered her or or murdered him or what happened exactly. And we know that they were, the the mother and then Jason were both on drugs at that time. It was a rough um, household. The police were always being called. So it could have been an accident. Who knows what happened? But I think they definitely know what happened to him. Yeah. I feel less likely that Carrie knew anything. Um, Not 100% sure, but I feel like something may have happened with Jason, maybe accidentally, because it just seemed like a volatile house, and something happened, and the mom didn't know what to do, and she helped cover it up, And um, but Jason actually died um, while Frederick was going to prison, I think. He died of an overdose, so... They actually never got a chance to really to talk to him about it. He he died before um, they were able to, to interview him. Yeah. I think he was in a rehab center whenever... He came back or something. So he was just freshly off drugs, got back on. And the mom doesn't know. She said there's a possibility he killed himself, like, with drugs. So there's just no happy ending in this story. Yeah, it was like right before he was going to be brought in, he mysteriously died. They say it was drug overdose. So actually, that's another, something else to look into if you want to go down the the rabbit hole of this Charlie Parker needs to get back on this story. I know. But he, he seems very committed to figuring out what happened. But with the brother Jason dead and no real clues, you have to wonder if it's ever going to um, come up. But um, I really enjoyed the story and it was fascinating to me. And I feel the same way as you about the brother Jason probably being the most likely suspect. I did Um, like the sister. um, She says, you know, if we knew what happened, why would we allow, you know, Frederick to come into our home and create you know, all of this media attention mm-hmm. when nobody was bringing this up at all. Like right. The family wasn't even on the radar at all. So yeah. if she's like, from my experience, if I knew that that um, we were suspects, why in the world would we do that? And so yeah. that makes me think she might not have known what yeah. was going on. Um, I don't know why she acted the way she did. Yeah. But after the FBI call, that's where I lose it with her and think like, well, maybe you did know something because then you're well, she also seemed a lot older than her brother, so yeah. maybe, you know, she didn't grow up in the house with him. True. Who, who knows? Yeah. I mean, but still, I feel like you would recognize your own brother. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of things. But if, if you're ever in doubt who somebody is, just check their ears. Compare it to a photo. Photoshop. Photoshop. Contact Charlie Parker use PI. Paint. <laughs> yeah. Use paint before it goes out. Yeah, right? It's almost done. So um, thank you so much for joining me today, Megan. I hope you had fun. Yeah. I loved having you. And I uh, hope you guys have a great week. Um, make sure you contact us with your I'm Invincible Win stories. Um, we had a good one this week from Megan L. And hers was, um, I'm Invincible Win. I pretend to talk on my cell phone in the parking lot on the way to my car at night. That uh, the would-be murder rapist is going to change their mind about me because I'm on the phone, duh. I've been there. Yeah, You course. grab your phone. You're not popular enough to have anybody to actually talk to you <laughs> at that time of night. But you act like it just, I guess. It's like if I don't make eye contact, they don't see me. Right. Well, I think the opposite of approach. I always want to say hi to somebody to be like, hey, I see uh, you. You see okay. me. Now you can't kill me. Um, so far, I'm running at 100% with that. <laughs> no one's killed me. So I'm going to keep going with that one. Do you have any good I'm Invincible Win stories? 
Um, I definitely don't. Um, I'm definitely not. I've never been murdered. <laughs> Congratulations. But, um, I've been robbed four times. Yeah. Yeah. Megan has not had really good. <laughs> Megan has a very robbable face. Is I what do. We're I guessing. was robbed um, twice in one day. <laughs> um, maybe my I'm invincible when is uh, one time when I was robbed the second time in the same day. I happened to tell the person robbing me, hey, this guy just robbed me. Yeah. And they were like, okay, cool. We won't really do anything here. So my invincible win would just be like, hey, I just got robbed five minutes ago. Um, there you go. Yeah, that, that seemed to, that's the only thing that seemed to work for me. I would like to clarify that you did work at a bank for a while and then you were maybe somewhere else during yeah. this other time. Lived so, in another country. Yeah. Rhymes with Matamala. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> we love the country of Matamala. <laughs> yeah. It was just a bad day. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I'm very glad you're here and you haven't been murdered and that you've only been robbed four times. It seems yeah. to be pretty good with your track record and that robbable face you've got. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us and we will see you next week. Hello, fellow skin suits. This is Angel and Ember. Deep down, do you have a secret passion for true crime, sarcasm, inappropriate jokes, but you still want to hear all those lovely details? However, you still need a little bit of humor to get you through those dark moments? Then come hang out with us over at the Color Me Dead podcast. We try to balance both humor and facts perfectly. We also go on some pretty extraordinary squirrel hunts. (laughs) We can be found on iTunes and all other podcast apps. Come over to Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and see us at Color Me Dead Podcast for the latest updates and gory chat. We release on Wednesdays because on Wednesdays we wear murder. Don't forget to spay and neuter your pets and stay out of chalk lines. Well, hello, my friends. I am CK and I'm the host of a new and amusing podcast called Mirths and Monsters. Ever wondered about the cry of the haggis? Okay, they do. Or wondered if a man and his canine companion, say hello, Finn could travel back in time to watch a celebrity death match between St. George and the Dragon. Wonder no more. All these are answered, and more, on Mirths and Monsters. Available on iTunes, Podbean and Soundcloud. Catch me on Twitter, at Mirths and Monsters, or MirthsandMonstersPod at gmail.com. Till next time, Slantja, your health. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.